Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name's Brent. Get ready, you meatheads. It's SST 150, the Meat Puppets record, Wavos. Now, it's also like episode 150, Brent. You know what that means? Mm, no, I don't. Technically, I believe it's our sesquicentennial. So get get ready, everyone. All right. You're not doing my your top 10 favorite Brandt quotes? No, man. That's episode 200. Oh, okay. You've only had like one or two good quotes so far. You really got to pack it in these next 50. Okay, I will. See what I can yeah. do. Let me hit you with a few spiels here. So big news out there, and I don't know why I missed this. Um, it was a surprise to me, but... The Last released their album, Look mm -hmm. Again. Yeah. Their unreleased 1980 album, 40 years later. It's now out. It's legit. Go to Bandcamp, 14 songs with the bonus 7-inch, too. You won't be disappointed. Every record by The Last is great. I'm super pumped to get, like, a real copy of this sucker. Um, and did you know this was happening? I had no idea. Yeah, I think I mentioned it, actually, that they were... I, I know they... One of the, it might have been the Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme podcast. I think maybe uh, one of them on there maybe mentioned that that's that the album might be coming out. Remember, I was talking Ryan. There's on that podcast. There's like a they do a deep dive into that album, the unreleased album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that must have been when. I okay, think, I think maybe on there. Wow. Well, I totally missed it, or I totally forgot it. But anyways, uh, super surprised to see that myself. Anyways, people should go check that out. Yep. My next spiel is a quick podcast shout out, Brant. <laughs> you are on a roll. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, there's there's been some good ones here during the plague. Yeah. This is another Mike Watt one though. Uh, so the Watt I know, from I Pedro, know what it is. Yeah. Yeah, the Watt from Pedro show had Jello Biafra on it, and of course it was awesome. Watt finally met his match, eh? Oh, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, so the last episode that I listened to where Ian Mackay was on, I mean, obviously Ian and Mike, as I say, have got the gift for Gab. But on this episode with Jello, Mike could hardly get a word in edgewise. Yeah. It was amazing. Like, it was insane. Um, but there was some great, great spiels on that episode. I mean, I'm just digging the the watch shows, not just for the, in, like, the guests, but also... Micronauts. Oh, that's ex okay. You you just you just scoop me. You just scoop me. So, anyways, like not only did they spiel about um, some great Husker Du spiels, they also talk about the new Guantanamo record, which is uh, super cool. Yeah, they play they they play about I don't know at least half of it, if not more. Half of it. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds good. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they also. Give a shout out to the Micronauts, which I was super pumped to hear because I'm like, oh, cool. You know, the they need a bit more uh, exposure, I would say, because I love their records. The other thing that I liked was Jello mispronounced poutine several times. <laughs> He's, he called it pouton, which I thought was awesome. I, I have to I have to say one more thing about that podcast, though, and that's that Jello hinted that he may be doing a podcast sometime in the future. Right. He, he's, he's only doing that what would Jello do stuff so far. Yeah. And uh, a real Jello podcast. I wonder if he would let anyone else speak, though. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, don't know. I don't really know if you need anybody else. He could just no, do his I, own every week. Yeah, I could listen to Jello forever. Okay, Brent, by special request from you, my next spiel is literature. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. 
Okay, so I, I just finished the excellent Bad Religion book. I also just finished uh, this book by Sam McFeeters, Mutations, mm. The Many Strange Faces of Hardcore Punk, which, by the way, you were right. When I mentioned it, you said, I think there's a chapter on Doc Dart in there, and there is. But in the chapter, and I think this is why I missed it, he goes by the name 26 okay. at this at this period of time when Sam is talking with him and that's that chapter with 26 or doc dart is pretty wild. The end notes in this mutations book are almost as good as the book itself, but reading this mutations book, it actually uh, tipped me off to a couple of books. I'll mention quick. One is called touchable sound and it's about the aesthetic of physical records and and in particular seven inches and making them yourselves and there's there's contributions from uh hazel meyer from amrep simple machines uh sam mcfeeters is in it it looks like a cool book i have to track that down even cooler was this book i had no idea existed but sam mentions in his book called loud 3d which is 3d hardcore pick like punk pictures from the early 80s and they came with 3D glasses. Hmm. I had no idea. They're both pretty, both these books are pretty rare, but I got to track them down. That loud 3D book really reminds me of an earlier 3D version, like just the look of it. I, I've only seen it online of the, the Rat-a-Tat Birds, or Rat-a-Tat-Tat Birds book, I think it's called by Jeff Winterberg. Have you ever seen that book? No, I don't know what that is. It's photos from like the, the American Underground, 1991 to 2003. Sam McFeeters actually does the the intro to the book as well. That's a great book. Rat-a-tat-tat birds. Check that one out. Now, but here's what I actually wanted to spiel about. It's a book by a guy named Jamie Vernon. And the book is called Life's a Canadian Punk Rock. Hmm. Who Wants Guns? The Swindled Story, 1973 to 1983. If you want some obscure Eastern Canadian punk in book form, this book is right up your alley. And I'm uh, I'm in the mood for it, too, because we were talking about how that Teenage Head documentary is coming out. But if you want to read about not only this band that Jamie Vernon was in called Swindled, who put out one seven inch called Who Wants Guns, it also talks about, of course, the Demics, the Dishes, the Diodes, the Vile Tones, also that Toronto, Hamilton, New York cross-pollination there. So it's kind of a cool book. It's from 2013. I had no idea it existed, but it's cheap on Amazon. So check that out if you want some really, like, I don't know, DIY, uh, Canadian Eastern punk, late 70s, early 80s, uh, documented it's pretty cool, and it's a it's a fun read as well. Okay, yeah, that is obscure. I don't even know that single. Yeah, who wants guns? And it's good. They actually the band swindled. You can check this out on Bandcamp. I should mention this too. So Jamie's label, Bullseye Records, they put out a bunch of. Let me see here. They were loosely associated with you know that band The Wives or Godo. These are these are like Canadian bands that no one knows from. You mean like the Bad back- Wives? Yeah, Battered Wives, or The Wives, um, Gatto, uh, Twitch is another band yep. uh, lo- loosely associated with Bullseye. The band Swindled actually reformed, and they released like 
a 20 20 track cd that i've got to track down too because it's not bad actually so anyways that's all i got right on what you got i have the t section of the my segment get this shit off my phone i and to be honest with you ryan i'm ready to be done with this what this segment yeah i feel like i'm excluding some other spiels here because of the length of of my get this shit off my phone spiel every every week do you feel like you know you're purged enough are you purged well i i have to see this through so but I i will be by the end of this don't give up this is our sesquicentennial episode we have 250 more episodes approx of this show to go so surely you can finish the alphabet <laughs> oh it's i'm finishing it this year that's my goal and then i'm moving on Jeez, louise okay the t section okay otherwise known as take me to some recommends okay let's do that then three years down the album's called snake bite 2001 kind of a dead boys dragons punk and roll the band uh, was recommended by listener Willis Stork, uh, vocalist, guitarist Jason Phillips is the son of Glenn Phillips, whose record, oh, no yeah, way. whose record Elevator we did back about ten episodes or so. Uh, Willis is one of the listeners who also recommended Ryan the band Panel Donor, not pan, oh, not yeah. Panel Door, as I believe I called them recently. Panel Donor, yes, those records are in the mail on their way to me right now. Nice. Yeah, three years down, Jason Phillips. Interesting connection there. Tangerine Dream, Force Majeure, 1979, great synth-driven krautrock. Can't wait for founding member Edgar Froese's autobiography to come out on paperback, which was completed by his wife Bianca following his passing. Looking forward to that book. Titan to Tachyons. I'm probably saying that wrong. Cactides from this year, it's their first record, uh, I came to this project because Matt Hollenberg, who I've been mentioning recently from uh, Cleric, Shardik, Simulcrum, John Frum, he plays six-string bass on this record, and Tr- Trevor Dunn also plays on it. Uh, but the star is guitarist Sally Gates. It's progressive, mathy, avant-garde, jazzy, instro, little bit of metal. Titan 2, T-A-C-H-Y-O-N-S. Cactides is the record. Here's one that's on the tree, Ryan. I did the second Twisted Roots record, the self-titled one from 1987. Ah. Yeah. Uh, I talked about his Pandemonium Shadow Show record from 83 a few weeks ago. Uh, I prefer this one, although they're both interesting. Uh, Paul handles more of the vocals. Uh, He's backed by Bruce Duff, Des Kadena, uh, Del Hopkins, Vox Pop, 45 Greg, Passionelle is the drummer on that one. Ah. Really cool, proggy, broke pop with a punk edge. I can't wait to get to his solo record on SST. And we'll be hearing Paul shortly for a the Pat Smear record that we're coming up on and a DC3 record. So we're going to be getting some Paul Rossler very soon. Nice. Ryan, I listened to this record by a band called Trophy Wives. Ha ha. That's a recommend for me. Yeah. You better like it. 2011, Old Scratch. I did like it. Great recommend. I think you probably referred to them as Fugazi-esque, which they are, and they're cool. Maybe. Yep. Maybe, yep. Or maybe it was this next band that you mentioned, Truth Cult. Ooh, yeah. Truth Cult is the the DC uh, post-hardcore sounding band, yes. Yeah, you recommended their 2020 album, Off Fire. I listened to that as well. I like the Trophy Wives one better, to be honest with you, but that Truth Cult is also cool. Oh, they're both good, yep. 
I did the Treacherous Jaywalkers album Earth, which we've mentioned before. It's up on their killer Bandcamp page, along with a recently added live set from 1989 with great sound quality. Earth is their 1986 cassette-only debut on their PJD label, and it's a really cool primal blast of Treacherous Jaywalkers. Yeah, can't wait to get into more of them soon here. Yeah, Curvit Cadet. I did the record Doomed Alien Race. That's some Finnish hardcore, kind of the Finnish hardcore band, actually, 1980 to 2016. This one's from 97. It's a bit more metal, sung in English. Some of their older stuff is not, but it's still really great. The Horse is another great one of theirs. Tervit Cadet. Touring Machine. I bet you like them. Hey, Ryan? I don't know that one. You don't know Touring Machine? T-U-R-I-N-G? No. Okay, well, there's a recommend for you. Nice. A New Machine for Living. That's their debut. It's 20 years old already. Jade Tree Records. Great New York City instrumental rock band. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know this. Okay, yep. Yeah. Tex and the Horsed Heads, their 1984 self-titled debut on Bemis Brain Enigma. Great gun club-esque blues punk. Love this record and the follow-up. Life's so cool. I did the Thelonious Monster 1986 debut on Epitaph. Baby, you're bumming my life out in a supreme fashion. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's played in that band. Uh, led, of course, by Bob Forrest throughout the band's history. They have a new kind of reunion record coming out this month. Highly recommend the documentary about the band and Bob's uh, addiction and recovery uh, and redemption kind of story called Bob and the Monster. Have you seen that, Ryan? I have not, no, but now I'm going to. What yeah. What label is their new record coming out on? Do you know? Uh, I think they're releasing it themselves. But, okay, that's cool. But don't quote me on that. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, the band's drummer, Pete Weiss, had a podcast, uh, which seems to be done, unfortunately, with Keith Morris called The Blow Mine Show, which was totally hilarious. Right. Yeah. Bob Forrest also has an excellent podcast called Bob Forrest's Don't Die Podcast. So there's a podcast shout out for you. There's lots of talk about recovery, but also lots of crazy stories about the scene uh, that the band came out of. And some great guests like Norwood Fisher of Fishbone, Paul Rossler, Keith Morris, uh, Frenchie is on there. Uh, his co-host is Chuck Davis of a band called The Smut Peddlers. Okay, here's one that's on the tree, Ryan. I did the trinary system, Lights in the Center of Your Head, nice. 2019. Finally. That's a that's a recommend from you as well. That's really good. You betcha. Roger Miller from Burma and No Man. That is a great record. I would love to hear some more trinary system. Their single's good too. Yeah, yeah, it is really good. Thought Industry, Songs for Insects, 1992 Metal Blade. It's kind of arty, avant-garde prog, kind of like... Uh, you know, fans of Voivod would really like that record. Thought Industry, hmm. Songs for Insects. Ryan, I did the Tales of Terror self-titled record from 1984. Nice. Classic Sacramento punk band, insanely influential. Never released another record. Uh, unfortunately, guitarist Victor Wong was killed after being assaulted in 1986. This has never been reissued uh, and was supposedly only pressed the one time in a run of 5,000 copies. On LP, yep. There's also a cassette version with two extra tracks that's on a Boner Records comp called Them Boners Be Poppin'. If you want two more Tales of Terror tracks, check that out. I do want two more. Yeah, I'm 
I just can't believe that hasn't been reissued. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. It's uh, it's Ever. long overdue. <laughs> yeah. Here's one I bet you like, Ryan. Tree People, something vicious for tomorrow with the Time Whore single. Heck yeah. CZ Records, 1992. Dog Marsh, Built to Spill, was in this band. Uh, this is a couple EPs kind of put together. Great early indie rock. I probably get it, got into them through Andrew Earle's Gimme Indie Rock book, I'm I'm guessing. Yeah. That one's about due for another read, actually. Kind of try and read that one every year and discover some new stuff that I was too yeah. close-minded to check out the year prior. I did, uh, Ryan, the record They Never Sleep. And if you're trying... If- if anybody's trying to look them up on Discogs or whatever, the E's in the in the band name are th- actually stylized as the number three. They never sleep. Uh, a one and done band from Mike Hard, from uh, the God Bully- Bullies. He did this at band after Thrall. The record's called Mother Nature Sings Her Lullaby. I like everything he's done, uh, and this is no exception. It's really awesome. Noise rock, post punk with some amazing samples. It's really good. Yeah. Great lyrics always from Mike. Yeah. I did the Trouble record, Run to the Light, 1987. It's their third record. Everyone talks about their first two records, and rightfully so. They are cornerstones of of doom. Uh, But this one is also amazing. And this Dutch label, Hammerheart, is supposedly reissuing their entire catalog. Uh, They've already done the first two, so I'm looking forward to this one coming out, and the rest as well. And Trouble apparently has a a new record coming out. Hmm. that's it that's my t-section ryan that's good i'm surprised your favorite finnish hardcore band was not ratus if you haven't checked out <laughs> ratus you got to check out ratus brandt okay okay there's a ratus recommend for you okay i will get into some finnish hardcore all right man are you feeling ready to uh dig into this huevos record yeah i got my automatic mojo working ryan history lesson part one all right. Can I uh, bring folks up to speed real quick on where we've been with the Meat Puppets? And then I'll probably have to let you take it away, Brant, because this is really a Brant record. Okay. So every Meat Puppets record is different. And we've been through six by my count up until this episode. We did Meat Puppets 2, which was SST 19, Up on the Sun. SST 39, my favorite. Actually, I like Me Puppets 2 and Up on the Sun, probably my two faves. SST 44, the In a Car 7-inch. SST 45 was was then Me Puppets 1. SST 49, Out My Way. And then it's been a long time since we've had some pups on the show because SST 100 was the Mirage record. And I don't think we've had any other Me Puppets than those six releases. Is that right? That sounds right to me, yeah. Yeah. But, Ryan, interestingly enough, the Mirage record, episode 100, and this record were both released in 1987. Yeah. Which just gives you uh, some perspective on how much shit SST was pumping out. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> They're kind of like sister records, All this, although this one has got, like, real drumming on it, hey? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say they're sister records, this one's more was more of like a reaction to the Mirage mm. record. Well, yeah, I mean, so. I guess the reason I call it that is because uh, when I was reading up on this record, it sounded like, you know, they they recorded, released Mirage, 
and when it came out they were already burning through new tracks for this huevos record they were like already tired of mirage almost they wanted something new but that's maybe what you mean by a reaction yeah yeah that's what i mean so if people are remembering they demoed most of mirage and worked really hard on that record uh using lots of new gadgets like guitar synthesizers and rolling synthetic drums but once they got out on the road it seems like they quickly kind of became disinterested in some of the material and began swapping mirage tracks out out of the set for some newer ones Kurt was writing that were more up-tempo. There were also some tracks from the Mirage era that were purposely left off off of that record and saved for the next one. Derek Bostrom in the Ryko Disc liner notes says, as was usually the case with the Meat Puppets, by the time we'd finished Mirage and actually begun playing it live, we were sick to death of it. Right. Mirage was really hard to play live. Here's Kurt Ryan in the Greg Prado Too High to Die book. Mirage was really hard to play live. It had just too much multi-tracking. It was ambitious. The The compositions were complex in a way, so we realized, I don't like playing it live. That's why we did Huevos right away. Here's Derek Bostrom again. We did Mirage, which was our proper follow-up to Up on the Sun, and we spent about a month and a half doing it, which for us was quite a lot. We were very meticulous with it. That's from a 1996 uh, piece in Goldmine magazine by Steve Roser, which is really good. Uh, the studio sessions were squeezed in between two legs of the Mirage tour. Derek on his website, uh, DerekBostrom.net, says, We banged out ten songs in three days and released them almost as quickly. Wavos was funky, raw, and loose. Everything Mirage was not, and we were immensely pleased with it. Yeah, I do like it way better than Mirage, but it's it's uh, it's still not up there for me with with two and up on the sun. Yeah, I actually prefer Mirage. I think I'm sure that's a a controversial uh, opinion, but over Wavos, I think so. Yeah, no way. I mean, this record has lots of great stuff on it, but I really like that Mirage record. Hmm. Here's again from Goldmine, Derek Bostrom. We didn't really like going out and touring on songs that were heavily crafted. So we did Huevos, which we did right before we went on tour, between two tours. It cost us like 1500 bucks, and we did it in like four days. The idea was we need to put out some songs that we actually want to play on stage. Hmm. The, and another thing you will hear a lot uh, around this record is the ZZ Top influence oh, on the record. Every article. Here, yeah. Here's from the Goldmine article that I mentioned. They say, Wavos is now regarded by some as Kurt's love letter to Billy Gibbons, at least in terms of the guitar stylings employed on the nine tracks that comprise it. Now, I have here, Ryan, the Wavos press kit, the SST press kit. And of course, it's mostly interviews and reviews of Mirage, right. which is kind of the way these press kits go. But there's a great article in here by Jazz Obrecht, which was taken from uh, the, I can't remember what issue it is, the July 1987 issue of Guitar Player Magazine that featured an article on the Meat Puppets and an interview with Kurt Kirkwood. He asks him a bunch of questions, and I think he asks him about Billy Gibbons. And Kurt says, Oh man, I love that guy. He's the best. He's both Chris's and my favorite guitar player. 
I've been a big fan since I was a freshman in high school. I have to be honest about it. I've got all of ZZ Top's records, and that's the only band I can say that about. I saw them for the first time last September, and my brother and I have been starry-eyed ever since. The only thing that I could compare the Afterburner tour to is Disneyland. <laughs> I love that combination of that seamless Gibbons guitar with machines. That ZZ Top show inspired us to start practicing. We said, oh man, you can do that with guitars? It made me want to be a better live player. And then he asks him later who he'd love to jam with. And again, he says, ZZ Top. I fantasize about doing what they're doing. They sit there and stroke their beards afterwards and go, hey, 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 it's too good to be riding that machine would be too much. He talks about the Grateful Dead a fair amount in here as well, but there's lots of references to ZZ Top in this, this interview. They were clearly enamored with them at the time. Yeah, I read somewhere too where Billy Gibbons sent him like a postcard or something too, right? Yeah, so in the Greg Prado book, Jim Walters from Dos Domin is interviewed and he's quoted as saying, supposedly Billy Gibbons wrote Kurt a letter saying that he was a fan and he got really inspired and did this couple of day writing binge and that's what Huevos was. And Kurt confirms it in the book. He says, Billy Gibbons did write a postcard. I drew some pictures of ZZ Top in Guitar Player Magazine. That's the article I was just referencing. So he wrote a postcard and said he was a fan, but I think it was more just coincidental because we had been seeing ZZ Top a lot throughout the early 80s. It was time to pull that side of our thing up. Huevos was kind of giving up on the whole sparkly direct studio album fake as we could get it sort of thing. Uh, we went in and did it live with the Marshall and the Ampeg, just letting my ZZ Top and Leonard Skinner roots show a little more. And they were also playing, you know, if you look at some set lists from this time, they were playing covering I'm Bad, I'm Nationwide, the ZZ Top song. Hmm. Do you uh, do you go past El Loco on ZZ Top? Uh, I don't know, man. I maybe come around a little bit on some of that stuff. Like the hits, obviously, off of Afterburner and Eliminator, I just, I, I you know, I never want to hear Sharp Dressed Man or Legs ever again, but there's some good tracks on there. What about Mescalero or La Futura? Uh, I've heard them both but I don't own either one of them. I, I do want to get that second vinyl box set. The, oh, what's it called? I have the first one, uh, but I would pick up the second one if I saw it. It's got some of those records in it. Yeah, the first seven are untouchable for me. So it's interesting though for me, uh, I don't know if, if this came to your mind. So me puppets are coming off of Mirage, right? Which sounds a bit produced a bit electronic a bit computerized okay like he says too they're going directly into the board with a lot of that stuff yeah this is more like live on live off the floor well but that's that's what i'm getting at so they're inspired by zz top and they put out wavos okay so they they actually go back and do something a little bit more raw a little bit more organic sounding a little bit more live sounding right just as yeah. zz top is starting to sound more computerized. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah. Uh, here's Derek Bostrom in the liner notes of the Ryko disc reissue. 
about the recording sessions. So one Thursday, I got up early, drove to Pantheon Studio in Paradise Valley, played the drums for a couple of hours to warm up, while our engineer, Steve Escalier, set up mics and twiddled knobs in the control room. The Kirkwood showed up shortly afterward, plugged in, and we, and we commenced. On Sunday evening, we had a finished album that couldn't have been more different than our previous one. Yeah. Here's Kurt again in the Greg Prado book. We recorded it real quick. I gave it to SST and said, we've got another one, but you've got to put it out now because we had stuff set up for touring and we wanted to be able to play a new record. We did it at a place in Scottsdale where Waylon Jennings used to record a lot. We set up camp out there. It was at some rich kid's super nice studio at his super nice house. And of course, Steve uh, engineered Mirage and Out My Way. Uh, this one was recorded and mixed August 3rd through 7th, 1987 at Pantheon Studios in Phoenix. Do you want to check out the tracks to this one, Ryan? Yeah, man. History Lesson, Part 2. So this one was released in October of 1987 on LP, CD, and cassette. It's on the short side. It's around 35 minutes long. But, I don't know, it feels like the right length to me. Yeah. Hey, I forgot, before we go into some tracks, let me give you some Spaceman on this record. Can I do that? Please do. Yeah. Yep. So this is what uh, Michael Whitaker said about Huevos. Closer in sound to their legendary live shows, this record has balls. Starting off with a kick-in-the-head double blast of Paradise and Look at the Rain, and ending with the brain-crushing I Can't Be Counted On, this record reaffirms the Meat Puppet status as one of the coolest bands on the face of the planet. Well, they certainly are that. Yep. Yeah, true that. Again, like, this is this is not my favorite album, but I I still love some tracks on it and i always appreciate me puppets and how they change it up every record i love bands who do yeah. that yeah okay track one side one paradise uh definitely oh, this is written by kurt and chris definitely one of the ones that makes people point to the zz top influence you know it sounds like legs or something off of eliminator not just the riffs but also the drums and that steady driving bass yeah and the hi-hat you know, there's a lot, yeah. there's a lot of, um, uh, I don't know what it is, eighth or 16th notes on the hi-hat that really drive this record. And that's definitely reminiscent of some of those, like the, uh, the program tracks on Eliminator or Afterburner for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Kirkwood talks in the Greg Prado book about how Dusty Hill from ZZ Top would lock in with the drums. No extraneous notes, no jamming. And that's kind of what he does here. And he contrasts it in that quote uh, where he's talking about his other big influence, influence which, which is Phil Lesh from The Grateful Dead. Oh, yeah. Who's a very busy player, you know? Yeah. Uh, cool double tracking on the leads on this one. The Ryko Disc reissue also has a much slower instrumental demo of this song uh, with a drum machine where you can really hear the ZZ Top comparisons when you listen to that demo especially during the solo break. It's a great opener, though. I love this song, Paradise. So I've got, I don't have the Ryko disc reissue. I've got an MVD audio reissue. Is that basically mm. the same? I don't know what that is. That's maybe from the 90s or something. This one's from 2011, this one. And it's it's got, you know, the the whatever it is, five bonus tracks, 
all the liner notes and stuff. I bet you it's like maybe a re-release of the Ryko re-release or something. I should check into that. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Okay, track two, Look at the Rain, written by Kurt. This is this one has bass right up in the mix. It's an interesting sound from Chris. More of that straightforward pl- playing. I'm not a big fan of this style of vocal from Kurt. He sings like this on some of the Out My Way EP, and it just I just don't dig it. Uh, it's that it's that fuzzy voice that he he kind of growls his vocals now and then that gets a little yeah. I don't know I get fatigued on it for sure. Yeah, there's newer newer videos of them doing this song live, uh, and they play it really fast. And Kurt and Chris harmonize in an, like an especially cool way. So that's worth checking out for sure. It's a great song, but the studio version, uh, lyrically or vocally, I guess, you know, that kind of gets to me after a while. The solo on this one's really great. I love the lyrics. Like, this is trouble distribution and I'm giving you your share. I like that. Uh, I went on markprindle.com. He reviews the entire discography. He calls this one a fun-as-hell boogie chugler that would have one of the best choruses in the Meat Puppets catalog if any member of the band could actually sing it. Yeah, there are a fair amount of articles that are, that, well, they they mention that, at least in the interviewer's opinion, the weakest part of the band is the vocals. Yeah, I mean, it's hit or miss. Kurt definitely found his voice, you know, more, I would say, after the SST era of the band. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, track three, Bad Love, written by Kurt and Chris. This has more of that trademark pop sound, especially in the main riff. Vocally, he kind of does the same thing as the previous track, uh, but it doesn't really bother me as much as that one. It's a good, it's a good song, though, Bad Love. Okay, then we're going to track four, Ryan. Sexy music. <laughs> Probably my least favorite song. Uh, but I was actually grooving to it a bit this week. I caught myself after I listened, like repeated listens. I don't know. It yeah. caught me. Mark Mark Prindle called this a gorgeous hypnotic mantra song. Derek Bostrom says in the Ryko reissue uh, that this song had been floating around in one form or, or another since 1983. We've got some keys or synth on this one, which is kind of a throwback throwback to Mirage. Right. It's the longest track on the album at five and a half minutes. Love the lyrics on this one. I looked the while well, I looked up the whole album on in the book, The Meat Puppets and the Lyrics of Kurt Kirkwood, uh, from Meat Puppets Two to No Joke, which is written by Matthew Smith Lehrman. That's a good book. Here's here's what he points out about this track uh sexy music is about masturbation this seems obvious in the refrain about a red rubber fountain of ecstasy that flows from the palms of my hands he goes on about it in great detail in the book uh, about all of the masturbation metaphors in the song including uh and you can draw your own conclusions here ryan about what the burning pearls are and the music turned to emerald feathered goblins that cast their burning pearls to the ground I don't need to come to my own conclusions. That's fine. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, There's a demo version of this as well on the reissue. Six and a half minutes long on that one. It's a slow kind of instrumental version. It's worth checking out for sure. 
And that's it, Ryan. We're already done side one. Just four tracks. We flip it over and we've got the song Crazy written by Kurt. Derek Bostrom says in the liner notes, this is a Mirage holdover. Uh, the guitar and bass interplay on this one has more of that pop sound that they're kind of known for. This one isn't particularly memorable for me, uh, but I do lo like the vocals during the verses on this one. Okay, track two, side two, is Fruit, written by Kurt. This one is a standout for me. Oh, yeah. Another one, another one that dates back to Mirage. Yeah. I like the, the lyrics. I reach up for an apple. I grab an orange by mistake. I don't mind. It's all right. In the jungle, I get what I can take. I always like these kinds of songs with the tempo and like the kind of syncopated lyrics. Yeah. I also like the uh, kind of Mark Knopfler sounding guitar on this track. That's, uh, that's why I like it so much. Yeah. This one kind of has that Meat Puppets psychedelic sound that I, I guess I feel is like maybe missing from much of this album. And it's my favorite of the demos as well that, that's on the reissue. Kurt's guitar playing on that demo is almost like Henry Kaiser-esque at times. It's pretty wild. Track three on side two is another favorite for me, Automatic Mojo, written by Kurt and Chris. Uh, here's some more of the ZZ Top influence. Mark Prindle calls this their attempt at a LaGrange rocker. Hmm. Kurt in the Greg Prado book. Automatic Mojo is just blues rock, straight up in the vein of ZZ Top and Ten Years After. A little Leonard Skinner in there. The lyrics are great too. Inside the mighty basket, I carry rattlesnakes. You got to be a monkey <laughs> to see the sense it makes. <laughs> uh, also presented in demo form on the reissue. The solo section is really cool. The way it builds and the solo at the end of this track is total Billy Gibbon, Gibbons worship. Uh, and the Ryko CD also has a live video on it recorded by Dave Travis and Joe Barton at Variety Arts Center, January 22nd, 1988. Also quite a fast version of the song, but totally ripping. You can see that on YouTube as well. Track four, Dry Rain, written by Kurt. Another Mirage era track that wasn't used. It's a cool song, but not really a standout for me. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Fruit, Automatic Mojo, Dry Run. I, f I find that to be like the strongest three in a row on this record. Like it's a great package for me. Hmm. Yeah, it wasn't grabbing me. Track five, I Can't Be Counted On, written by Kurt and Chris. This one gets singled out by many as a favorite in the Greg Prado book, Dave Perner of Soul Asylum calls it his favorite Meat Puppet song. And he says it's Kurt's most brilliant, brilliant lyric. Kurt in the book says, it says it all in the title. And he, he kind of explains that lyrically it's about being a musician and not, you know, being what Mike Watt calls a square John. Right. He says, not being an integrated into the day-to-day -day world the same way as others. Mark Prindle calls it a highlight also with a fantastic pop melody. And Matthew Smith Lehrman in his book calls it a slacker anthem. Hmm. The reissue of this has a demo of Jimmy Reed's Baby What You Want Me To Do, which Bostrom says they'd been doing live, uh, with new lyrics by Kurt, and which they later grafted to an original melody to kind of create this song. 
that's it. The record's over, Ryan. And like I said, probably not in line with popular opinion, but I prefer Mirage to this one. And I mean, the only reason I bother to say that or the, to compare them at all is because, you know, like I said, this album is kind of like a reaction to Mirage in a way. Yeah, they it definitely when you read up on it, it really comes across as like they were trying to fix what happened with Mirage or something like that. So yeah. I think that's what you're getting at. Hey, I think so. Yeah. Here's a few quotes about the album or kind of reviews, I guess. Matthew Smith Lehrman in his book says, a loose, swinging, bluesy tribute to ZZ Top. Kurt growls his way through a set of songs heavy on sex, lust, and infidelity. Kurt's delivery of the lyrics, as well as the lyrics themselves, are confident and cocky. Wavos is a document of the Meat Puppets at the top of their game, a sincerely rocking band with chops. Consistent with the cocky tone of the music, lyrically, this is Kurt's sex record. Wavos, its title, translates to balls. Many of the songs have underlying and or overt sex themes. Similar to his allusions to drugs in, on other albums, however, his sex themes are mixed with other grander ideas. He also calls this the third release in their Desert Trilogy, grouping it together in the book with Out My Way and Mirage, uh, as they recorded all three of those at home in Phoenix. He says, Huevos capped an important stage in which the band took full control of their career, both artistically and commercially. They made three records which artistically found them exploring terrains they had yet to explore. Fine-tuned noodle jamming on Out My Way, extremely focused studio manipulation on Mirage, and straight-out live-recorded boogie rock on Huevos. From a business perspective, they made the, these records the way they wanted, in Phoenix, in their own time. And here's from Spin Magazine. Huevos is an explicit ZZ Top tribute. As if those ladies in the Red Eliminator had tossed Kurt the magic keys to Billy Gibbons' guitar. It captures the roar of the band's live show. The ZZ Top homage made witty conceptual sense, partly because both bands are steeped in desert lore, and partly because Kurt Kirkwood has legs and knows how to use them. That's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Get more creative in your reviews, man. Yeah. But I will say, like, I don't dislike this record. Like, about half the songs are total Meat pup Puppets classics, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, when comparing it to Mirage, it, you know, I prefer prefer that one. The songs, right? It's like the songwriting? The songs. Yeah. yeah. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, and I have a problem, well... And I have a harder time with Mirage just because of the way it was recorded and produced. It's tough for me to get past that sometimes. Yeah. The artwork, Ryan. I was wondering if the three eggs on the cover represented the three members of the band. Could be. Could be. Yeah. We've got a green pepper and like some Tabasco sauce. Yep. Derek Bostrom in the liner notes says, We went home grabbed a couple of Kurt's paintings off the wall, tore a few drawings out of a notebook, and shipped the whole mess off to SST. Which would indicate that this was a pre-existing piece of art. Yeah, same with the back, hey? Yeah. Do you think that's a Spanish guitar? I was just going to ask you whether you think that's a Spanish <laughs> guitar, Brant. <laughs> uh, here's a few things about the title. This is Chris in the Greg Prado book. 
We called the album Huevos because we had the balls to put out two records in one year. Huevos means balls in Spanish. And then on Wikipedia it says, The album is named not only after the Spanish word for eggs, but is also a reference to the southwestern expression huevos, meaning to deliver with chutzpah. Hmm. Which is not a Spanish word. (laughs) No. (laughs) uh, Matthew Smith Lehrman in his book suggests uh, that it's a reference to balls, uh, which further underlines the lyrical sexual content. Yeah. I always love it when artists do their own album art. You know, like Sylvia Giancosa or whatever. Oh, for sure. It seems like it's more of a statement, an artistic statement, you know? Yeah, I agree. There's some uh, of Chris's drawings on the insert, probably taken from one of the endless notepads they've talked about that they doodled in while they were on tour. The insert has some lyrics and a photo by Joseph Cultus, who they used for many of their photo sessions. He's quoted also in the Greg Prado book. We shot all of the photos in their living room at Kurt and Chris's house and in their backyard. I didn't know what I was doing. I knew a little, but I barely knew what I was doing at that point. I'm amazed any of it turned out at all. And his photos are great. He has a website as well uh, with tons of amazing pics. He took a bunch of like nine inch nails at Woodstock 94 when they were all covered in mud. Oh yeah. He's he's photographed artists ranging from Moby to some great ones of like Marilyn Manson. Uh, Of course, several of the meat puppets. And they always look great in their photos. Tons of style, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. That's it, Ryan. You want to go to the ballot result? Sure, man. Ballot result. I feel like we might land on side two with this one. Is that fair? Yeah, probably. My picks were Paradise, Fruit, Automatic Mojo, and I Can't Be Counted On. Yeah, and I would have picked Fruit and Automatic Mojo, so... You, you break the tie, man. I got to go with Automatic Mojo, I think. Because this is such a Azizi top referenced record. Yeah. So get your fur, yeah. full Azizi. Actually, could we call it ZZ Top? We could. Yeah, yeah, let's do that at least once. Yeah. I still got a ticket to see ZZ Top. I was supposed to see him, but it got canceled because of COVID. Oh, don't remind me. Woo, huevos. Episode 150 in the can, man. Only 250 or so to go. We can do it. (laughs) We can. Ryan, what's next week? Next week, this is going to be really cool. I've never heard this record. Not once. It's SST 151, the Scott Colby record, Slide of Hand. And Brent, we've got a special guest. Oh, we sure do. Scott Colby's on the show. Nice. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at MoJackPod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is MoJackPod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.